Hello again, friends. The title of this podcast for today is Reassessing Revelation, where I'm going to ask some rational questions about the so-called rapture and the second coming. So here we go. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where my goal is to help you with questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul and particularly to help other left brain types like I am ask the right questions in our search for a deeper meaning to life. And my ultimate goal is to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and what I call smothering paradigms. So this week, I want to return to a concept that I touched on last week, and it's the so-called rapture and end times, and basically how those concepts shape our daily lives. Now, this podcast is targeted at those who have a critical and rational and pragmatic mind, kind of like my, my background is, and the kind of person who asks why we do certain things, the kind of person not afraid to ask questions. But let me be clear here. I don't want to go to hell, and I'm betting that you, however rational and pragmatic you are, would rather not spend your eternity in an unending sea of fire either, right? (laughs) Sure. So, because you don't want to go to hell for eternity, what's the harm in believing the story that you were taught growing up, right? What's to be lost if you believe everything in the Bible, live your life as a good person, and try to do your best as a Christian or Jew or Muslim? Nothing, right? Well, that's how I lived most of my life. I was willing to deliberately accept everything I had been taught, basically to willingly pull the covers over my head and be comfortable with what I thought I knew, and to accept the matrix, honestly. But but what if there was a larger truth? What if there was no unending sea of fire? What if the picture of hell was something that we've managed to misunderstand for thousands of years? What if the belief in hell, the fear of hell, was misused by people throughout these many years as a way to control other people? Is that a possibility? What's that, Satan? I can hear folks shouting that to me now. (laughs) I don't think it's wrong to at least ask these questions. You know, I feel like I woke up to this larger truth shortly after our son passed away in 2020, and, and that's what I'm trying to share. I spoke on this topic last week. And then just a few days ago, I saw a very long Facebook post by a friend of mine focused on their belief in the rapture and the end times. Now, the concept of the rapture is pretty much limited to Christian belief, although other faiths have their own version of the coming of a Savior or Messiah. And I don't think this friend of mine knows anything about my podcast, so I'm unlikely to offend them. However, I was struck by how they were clearly and adamantly convinced that they were going to simply disappear as part of the rapture. And, and the rest of you, see ya. <laughs> I'm going to be saved, and it is going to suck to be you if you're left here on this earth once us saved folks disappear. And that's kind of, that's kind of the way it comes across. And the rational part of me rebels against this kind of thinking. How can this be possible? Those of us who question this kind of thinking, you know, this kind of thinking that's basically caused by what we're taught as we grew up, we're often viewed as pawns of Satan. So where do we find descriptions of the rapture in the end times? Well, for I'm going to talk about three major religions. For Christians, there is the belief in the second coming of Jesus Christ, as mentioned in the New Testament of the Bible, most prominently 
by St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And according to Christian teachings, Jesus will return to earth at the end of time to judge the living and the dead. Our physical bodies will be restored. He'll establish his kingdom. Now, what this means exactly, for how long, and whether it's really in the physical earth, is the subject of countless books and papers. In Islam, Muslims also believe in the concept of the Day of Judgment, or Yom al-Qiyamah, as it's called in Arabic. They believe that the Day of Judgment is a future event ordained by Allah that will mark the end of the world and serve as the final reckoning and justice for all mankind. Allah will resurrect all human beings, bringing them back to life from their graves, and people will be gathered from all corners of the earth to stand before him for judgment. Interestingly, they also believe in Jesus, whom they refer to as Isa, who is highly revered as a prophet in Islam. They believe he will return to earth before the day of judgment. And I won't get into it here, but there's a lot of things that he's supposed to do uh, before the final end times. Interestingly, the Muslim concept of hell is very similar to Christianity, which is basically a hot, fiery, eternal damnation. And finally, in Jewish tradition, the concept of the Messiah is a central concept. The concept of the Day of Judgment is known as Yom Hadin in Hebrew, and they also believe in divine judgment and individual accountability, which will be assessed as part of these end times. They have a belief in two concepts, however, that are a bit different from Christianity and Islam. Uh, They believe in something called collective judgment, which is a judgment on the destiny of the Jewish people as a whole, and also they believe in a concept of the Book of Life. I've mentioned this in some other podcasts um, but it's where all of our deeds have been recorded and it will be used during this, this time of judgment. Now, although there are differing interpretations among various Jewish groups, many Jews participate or anticipate the coming of the Messiah and that it will usher in a time of peace, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, and gather the Jewish people. Finally, which is kind of interesting, there is no consensus in the Jewish faith on the concept of eternal punishment, or the concept of hell. So there is some commonality among at least these three major religions that there's going to be some type of final judgment, um, and two of the three do specifically believe in, in a concept of hell. So I shared my reservations about the Bible and about these concepts with another friend of mine who believes you know, very literally in the Bible. And he said, well, there you've only got two options, right? Either the Bible is correct, and all the end times prophecies are correct, and if you believe and follow what the Bible says, you'll be saved, or you flout the Bible, you don't believe in it, you're not saved, and you're condemned to suffer in hell for all eternity. So I thought, oh man, that doesn't sound good. I said, well, what if, could there be a third option? You know, could the Bible maybe be mankind's best but flawed attempt to interpret the messages received by the prophets? I mean, I believe there are people who can receive messages from the other side today, and I believe there are people among us who still receive these messages, and we struggle to properly interpret them in real time today. I'll talk about that more in a second. In the Bible, in the book of Daniel, for example, which is often cited as support for the concept of the tribulation in the end times, Daniel receives like an entire download, not from some angel or spirit guy, but from God himself quoted verbatim, and yet today we're still arguing over the passages that deal with what's called the 77s, that's 70 as an S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, 77s, and 
you know, the book of Daniel took place sometime during the Babylonian and Persian periods in the Near East history, which was about 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. But, but here we are, you know, almost 2,500 years later, some of us living our lives by what has been interpreted, translated, and rewritten countless times. And, and our hope, if you can call it that, is that we're going to suddenly vanish from our car while driving on the DC Beltway. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that I don't think I'm a nut job or a pawn of Satan. You know, if I question it, I just want to give you a couple other examples of challenges with trying to interpret or predict end time events. So these are outside of the Bible, but some of you may be aware of something called the Millerite movement. This happened in the greater Northeast area of the United States in the 1830s and 1840s. William Miller was a Baptist preacher and a farmer who predicted an exact date for the second coming of Jesus Christ, based primarily on the book of Daniel. This movement, the Millerite movement, gained significant attention and followers at that time. Miller, after an intense study of biblical prophecies, concluded that the second coming of Jesus Christ would occur between March 21, 1843 and March 21, 1844. Kind of gave himself a year-long window there. Of course, when the trumpets failed to sound by March 21, 1844, Miller revised his date, and again, nothing happened. And this is often called the Great Disappointment. <laughs> but the Millerite movement splintered and became the basis for what is now the current-day Seventh-day Adventist Church. Another example of a doomsday prediction was the hype in popular culture and media over the Mayan calendar prediction for an end-time event on December 21st, 2012. Uh, it's probably important to note that this misinterpretation of the Mayan calendar and the associated 2012 predictions were not generated or endorsed by the Mayan community, but it was done by many so-called scholars who interpreted the calendar to predict an, to predict an apocalyptic event <laughs> on that date. And as you might guess, the day passed without any extraordinary global occurrences and the world continued as usual. So these are just two prominent examples of incorrect psychological and sociological factors that contributed to the persistence of end-time scenarios. There's others out there. Others uh, are so-called predictions by Nostradamus, for example. Although with him, something happens usually and they go back after the fact and try and apply his predictions to it. But Nostradamus, the Y2K scare of 99-2000, I was really involved in that too. And there's also various UFO and alien-related interventions. So these are all examples of hype that contribute to our belief that something's going to happen end time wise. And as I mentioned in my earlier podcast, the multiple letters from St. Paul and St. Peter to the early members of the Christian church certainly had them believing in the immediacy of the second coming during their lifetimes. So the question that I'm asked sometimes when I get into this is what do I believe the intent of this podcast is to help you think and to open your mind and broaden your perspective and not to convert you to some type of religion or belief. I don't have any, you know, if you've listened to my podcast, I was raised Roman Catholic, um, but I don't have any religion or belief I'm trying to convert you to. However, the obvious question when I share these thoughts or these questions is what the heck do you think? So uh, I'll tell you. Um, I believe there are people among us recently and today who continue to provide us with good news, not 
apocalyptic doomsday scenarios. And, and these, these people that, that talk to us nowadays, uh, sometimes they're referred to as channels. In the old days, they may have been referred to as prophets. But they, they build and expand on, really, the ancient sacred texts. So I'm going to just share with you kind of five good news things that I believe in. Number one is that there most certainly is an all-encompassing universal being of infinite intelligence and love. You can call that presence God. I do. But whatever you happen to call that presence, there is a, a certainly a being of infinite intelligence and love that created all this. Number two, we as human beings are all part of this infinite intelligence. This is really something difficult for me to wrap my head around, but Everything that is, is part of this same infinite being. A dog, a leaf, a drop of rain, a human being. We're all connected and all part of the same consciousness. There's nothing that is that is not part of all that is. And I had to keep reading about that to to really try and grasp that. I, I still don't fully understand. I don't think we can as humans fully understand that. But we are all part of... Everything. Everything is connected. Um, Number three, it's love that binds us, unites us, and sustains us. I think this is probably the easiest thing for us to grasp because we all understand and feel and seek and need love. But love is something that, that binds us and sustains us and is all related back to the infinite intelligence. Four is a little bit difficult, uh, unusual. I believe that we're here by choice and that we create our own experiences. We're here to experience life, not to suffer through life. Yes, it is supposed to be both challenging and exhilarating. That, that's how we grow, and we design our own challenges. Before we come into this existence, we plan it, we design it. But there is nothing noble in seeking suffering. And that kind of runs contrary to a lot of faiths, particularly the faith I grew up with, where that it was noble to suffer in silence or to offer it up. Uh, I don't think there's anything noble in seeking suffering. And number five, which is another uh, very difficult thing to grasp, I don't believe, after going through this whole thing, I don't believe that there's a final judgment or hell. When we discard this physical body and we return to spirit, and and I have no doubt that there is another dimension of a spirit dimension where my my son is and where I communicate with him, when we discard this physical body and return to spirit, we do undergo a review of sorts. And this might be what is referred to in ancient writings as a judgment or when the book of life is used to, to review what we're doing. In some beliefs, they're called the Akashic Records, but some, some record of everything we've done. But the purpose of this review is not to condemn us to eternal fiery damnation, it's to review and improve our our soul. It's to improve our experience, and to help us return again to incarnate and experience life again. So that, in a nutshell, is where I am right now. I I do believe in certainly a presence, God, but uh, but I, most of what I just shared with you is not consistent with the kind of faith I grew up with, and hence the whole term. The Soul Unleashed, because I've, I've changed the past couple of years in terms of what, what's happened. So I appreciate you I appreciate you joining me. Again, you can reach out to me at mike at mikenicholas.com. That's my email. And my website is mikenicholas.com.
Facebook.com. Pretty simple. And of course, if you take the time to review or comment on this podcast, reviews are really helpful, but uh, I read all the comments and look forward to talking to you again here real soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.